Well, good Monday evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. Sorry, we're a couple minutes late. Things happen sometimes. And it's our show. We can come on three minutes late if we want to. <laughs> we have a great show for you tonight. I know you guys are always interested whenever we have any lab tests now, Eugene, on. You're super interested because if we have learned many things from COVID, our reaction to COVID, one of the things we've learned is it's so important that we take control of our health care that we are the boss and we know how we can do this. And so this is not just about COVID, although any lab test now does a ton of testing for COVID, anything you need, and Adam will be on to talk about that, Adam Bratlin, one of the owners. But the other thing they do is like 8,000 different tests on everything. I went there for a number of different tests just because it's cheaper. I don't have good insurance. I can pay for it out of my HSA and I get the stuff done that I want. And then I can go to the doctor and say, this is what my test results were. Now tell me what this means, or I can look it up myself. So it's taking charge of our healthcare and they make that possible. Our other sponsor tonight is Adam's brother. <laughs> we just keep everything in the family here. Uh, Dr. Michael Bratlin, uh, my dentist, I just went in last week, had my teeth cleaned before I go to Montana. And guess what? When I come back, I'll be going to him too. I'm going to make my trip so I can get my work done there. Uh, they're doing a crown special for $9.95. You have to mention Get Real with Rick Dancer and Michael will do that for you. That's a crown um, if you don't have insurance. And uh, he's one of our sponsors as well. So if you're looking for a dentist who is open to everyone, who doesn't check your passport, who doesn't check your status. He figures your dental health is your business, and he just wants to make sure you help take care of that. That's coming up tonight. Also, um, we have a special guest, somebody with Any Lab Test Now, a friend of mine, Albert Roy, and I talk about his experience at Any Lab Test Now. And at the end of the show, uh, we're going to have a special tribute to a dear friend of mine, uh, Frank Moore, died last night at 99. He'll be, well, he'll be 99 in a week. He didn't quite make it to 99. He told me he was going to live to 110. I don't want to live to 110. And, uh, but he passed away last night. And years ago, I did a story on him. And you're going to love it. It's going to be a great way to say a true Oregonian uh, has passed. And he had great value to our community and to our state. Uh, but first, we're going to start off with none other than Bill London. And, you're, and I'm just going to warn you. <laughs> some of the, he gave me a little warning some of the news he's gonna have tonight it's not gonna make you very happy who puts up with this that's what i don't understand bring the lion out bring the bring the lion um tonight on our show we're gonna have hey guys don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news. There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see you at five. From the News Radio 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios, I'm Bill London host of the uh, Wake Up Call, 6 a.m. to 9 on KPNW weekdays. You can check us out on the stream at kpnw.com and click on Listen Now. You have the power. All right, here's a look at some of the stories we're following. Oh, and a bit of deja vu. Two public hearings being held today by the Oregon Health Authority. One was putting masking inside schools and healthcare settings in place permanently. Does this sound familiar? The other one was to take public comment on vaccine requirements for educators and healthcare workers. And once again, the Oregon Health Authority says, 
Well, if the proposals are adopted, they won't be in place forever. They'll only be temporary, but permanent. If that sounds familiar, well, that's just like last Thursday when hundreds signed up to voice their thoughts on the OHA's proposal to make all indoor masking permanent. And the majority of them said, no, no, don't do that. We don't trust you. You see, the reason for that is, is because the OHA, or at least part of it, has given the public zero in the way of metrics, benchmarks, and what science that they would use to eliminate these permanent rules. So here we are at it again today. Two public meetings on basically, well, kind of the same things. So here's an idea. You know, we've been living with these temporary mandates for well over two years, which means that every six months, the OHA has to go through the process of extending them for another six months. How about just continue doing that? Is that inconvenient? Live with it. You're getting paid to do your job. I know it's hard. Sad face. And the other thing is you just don't sound right when you use a statutory word like permanent and say that it's temporary. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, those two words are not synonyms. OED proves it out. So Oregon property owners were eager for relief after struggling without rental income during the COVID-19 pandemic. And once again, they're slapped down by misdirected funds. Thank you, Oregon Housing and Community Services that keeps doling these checks out that keep bouncing. Now, before some of the issue was that they had wrong tracking numbers on it. The latest problem is there's wrong information for landlords and tenants and even properties. So the checks can't be cashed, and these checks range between $4,000 and $11,000, leaving these landlords without any relief. A number of them are receiving checks for tenants that they have never had. In other cases, they're, they're getting relief checks for properties they've never owned. Lauren Dressen of the Oregon Emergency Rental Assistance Program states, that they've changed their process now for issuing the rental relief assistance to, in their words, collaborate more closely with property owners throughout the process so the checks arrive at the right place, listing accurate information. The information was probably correct to begin with. The folks on the state's end likely screwed it up. Do I sound bitter today? I sound bitter. So do you have an electric vehicle? Could you afford one? Would you want one? Well, it doesn't make any difference. Take a look at your utility bill that will come probably the 1st of February because you're gonna notice something new. With the start of the new year, power customers get to see a new charge on their electricity bills. Say hello to House Bill 2165 that was quietly rammed through at the last minute at the end of the 2021 Oregon Legislative Session. It requires utilities to collect a monthly fee starting in January for transportation electrification infrastructure. And of the funds collected, at least half has to be spent on underserved communities, which usually means poor communities full of people who cannot afford to buy an electric vehicle. 
According to the state of Oregon Electric Vehicle Dashboard, yeah, they've got one, the majority of EV owners are actually Portland area residents in Clackamas, Washington, and Multnomah County. Of the 41,000 electric vehicles in the state, those three counties account for 26,500 of them. In fact, there's only four other counties outside of Clackamas, Washington, and Multnomah that have over a thousand residents with electric vehicles. They're Deschutes, Lane, Jackson, and Benton counties, which together account for only 8,400 of the vehicles here in the state. This is kind of a long way around of saying right now, the poor, the working poor, people on a fixed income and the middle class are supporting essentially the 1% who can afford to buy and register an electric vehicle in Oregon. And while some of the funds are going to be spent on other, other underserved communities, the reality is most EV owners are pretty much wealthy and from the Portland area. Cascade Policy Institute actually asks a wonderful rhetorical question. They say, when gas-powered cars came around, did the government need to build gas stations in order to get people to buy the cars? And my question I'll add to that is, and did they need to tax the hay used by horse owners to do it? So Oregon got some fantastic press in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend in a shout out about our decriminalization of all hard street drugs. And I'm just going to read you this little portion from the article that was about overall the war on drugs. I'll read you the quote. Professor Humphreys believes that tolerance has helped to feed a growing population of tent encampments often populated by drug users in cities all over the West Coast, including Venice Beach, California, which locals call Methlehem. He says, removing social or legal disapproval of drug use doesn't seem to boost recovery. He says, in Oregon, drug users receive a $100 fine that they can get waived by agreeing to a 20-minute phone call with social services to encourage them to enter a treatment program. At this point in the state of Oregon, fewer than 1% have sought treatment, according to Professor Humphreys. Did I say fantastic press? I'm sorry, I misread that. I meant to say craptastic press. My bad. I'm sorry. Ah, we'll have one more. You can wait. Oregon Secretary of State Shamia Fagan rejected a petition to get school choice on the November 2024 ballot because it was not specific to one issue. The proposed measure would have included changes to the Oregon Constitution allowing parents to choose any school for their child and provide state funding for students' homeschooling or in private schools, including those that offer a religious-based education. The petition came from Education Freedom of Oregon, a nonprofit based out of Tualatin, and Mark Thielman, the superintendent of the LC School District, who also happens to be a Republican candidate for governor. Anyway, according to Fagan, she said that she rejected the measure because it violated the state's single-subject rule, Meanwhile, Donna Kreitzberg, Executive Director of Education Freedom for Oregon, wrote in an email, the group's leaders are disappointed and they intend to appeal. All right, with that, it is time to get real, really real. 
Roll them in real, Rick. Oh, sorry, Bill. Didn't mean to cut you off. But you know what? I can. <laughs> I'm the only person who can cut Bill off. That's so great. The power of Zeus. He always says that about the Zero Res commercial. So now I have the power of Rick to cut him off. Oh, my train's coming, so I'll have to hurry here. We do have someone coming on Thursday at 5 o'clock from the legislature to talk about school choice. This is school choice week. They're going to talk about what I bet there's a lot of parents pretty open to school choice right now in Oregon. I just have this feeling. Anyway, it I digress. So hold on. Here it comes. You guys, when I move to Montana, you will never hear that train again. So enjoy it. It's the Amtrak. All the visitors coming through Eugene. Toot, toot. They're having so much fun. And they just, they all wave when they go by Rick Dancer's studio here. <laughs> well, Albert and Adam Bratlin, well, Albert Roy and Adam Bratlin, everybody that's in our show is not a Bratlin. I mean, we do have a lot <laughs> of Bratlin here, but everybody is not a Bratlin. In fact, the first Bratlin in my life was Adam uh, with any lab test now, uh, Eugene. Um, you guys, they do over 8,000 different tests. And I tell you, once people figure this out, Adam, um, I, I, you build, it's really easy to get people to understand once they get it, it's like, I can take control of my health and, and my testing. Um, just like I know Albert did, but you, you brought Albert on because he's not only a friend of mine, but he also watches the show and started Albert just kind of changed your world a little bit with, with, uh, being able to do your own testing. Absolutely. This, uh, for me, this started, uh, about three and a half years ago. And uh, I topped out at 300 pounds and uh, had always kind of struggled understanding how it was that I had a phys ed degree, uh, how it was that I was a, a, a national karate athlete and always had problems with weight. And uh, because I have discipline in my life, I know how to discipline myself to, to go exercise and stuff like that. But uh, what I didn't know is that there was a problem inside my body that was causing all of this. And um, I had read a book, uh, it was called um, Extreme Ownership by Josh, uh, not Josh, uh, Jocko Wilnick, he's a Navy SEAL. And he talks about taking control of your life or taking control of your business. You know, the reason your business is in the shape it is, is because of you. Uh, <laughs> you, you need to change, you know, you need to own up to this and do the change. And uh, so I applied that to my health and I said, I've got to control this. And I actually came down here and um, I collected data on my blood. Uh, I tested everything. And so um, you go into any lab test now and they can check all your blood where as a doctor may not have said, well, Albert, you know, you, you need to do X, Y and Z. And you're going, no, I can come in here. They have a doctor's orders. I can come in and say, these are the tests I want because I have from this book, an idea of what I'm looking for. Correct. Uh, and, and I, there are tests that, you know, maybe your doctor wouldn't normally ask you uh, to go get, um, but I can come in here and say, I want this. I want to know my, my vitamin D number. I want to know my, my triglyceride number. I want to know uh, my uh, cortisol numbers, uh, my SED rate, you know, whatever. And these guys just, they just give it to me. They take my blood and they give me numbers via email. Well, the other thing that I like about it too is I, 
you know, a lot of times when I've gone to the doctor, it's like, well, let's do blood tests A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And it's like, well, actually, I just need A, B, C. And D, E, F, G makes this a really big bill. So I can get the testing that I know that I need. And enough of us now understand how our health works. Like Stephanie and Adam used to test my vitamin D for me. Um, because I was not sleeping well. And I knew that my vitamin D level was very low so I could boost it. And then what I love about Stephanie too is she goes, we can give you the shots, Rick, and they're super effective. Or you can go get a supplement and take it yourself. <laughs> you know, so it's not like I'm buying into a program or, you know, Shackley or something. <laughs> you know, I'm coming to a place where I'm getting professional medical help. How does that help you to be able to monitor your own blood that way? Yeah, so... Um so I would come in, I would collect all of that data um, and it's individualized. It's my data. You know, it's not someone else's data. Uh, it's not what the a AMA says. Uh, you know, it's not their general rules. It's actually what's going on inside my body. And then I can make choices uh, accordingly to adjust my diet or whatever. So I had, I had lost 140 pounds, which was great. This was right before uh, COVID. And uh, life was great. I, I was thinner than I was in high school uh, and things were just wonderful, right? And when COVID hit, I decided to continue with the tests, testing my own body, right? And so I went on to uh, my doctor's diet, uh, onto the, the American Medical Association's diet, which is the Mediterranean diet. And I have now gained back 40 pounds on wow. their diet, okay? So uh, I, I came back in, I guess, two weeks ago, did all my tests again, looked at my triglycerides and my lipid panels and all these different things. And I'm like, yeah, not only is, am, am I heavier now, um, so my weight is up, but, but I can show my, what's going on in my blood work in the body. And I, it's the blood work that I need to change. Well, Albert, do you want to mention that? So you, there's two different diets at Albertson working with one is the ama diet which is mediterranean and the other one is a ketogenic diet so that's what i use to to drop all of that weight so adam somebody's asking can you do any lupus or ms testing you know that's a very good question and i'll have to get back to you on that because stephanie okay. is the one who would actually actually okay. know and i i mean i would i mean for a short answer i would say yes that we will do some kind of testing regarding lupus or MS, but I don't know if it's specifically what they want. Okay, so Ben, you'll Ben, you can just check in with them and they can answer it. Adam, you can have Stephanie just answer Ben's question right in the comments later. Okay, okay. Pay attention; he's always on here. So anything like that. So Adam, is that like a, a pretty common story with people coming in and saying, you know, I just want there's certain things about my either my diabetes or things like that I want to understand better and keep a really good track of those things. Okay. Well, well, hey, first things first is that I didn't know Albert was a friend of yours before he came in. I overheard a conversation where he was talking uh, to one of actually the doctor who oversees our practice here, our clinic. And I just thought it was a fascinating conversation because he's like, I'm the advocate for my own health. And then he was talking about his weight gain or, or weight drop. And, um, so yeah, then I called him and I asked him and it turns out that he knew you and it was perfect. I mean, that was great. Well, so yes, to, to answer your question, yes. People go, so-and-so knows you. Yeah, I know you. I know you. Yeah. But, yeah, so, but I've been watching your health thing for a long time and seeing how that, and I know that this helps. 
Well, um, since COVID, yes, absolutely. We are having, it's not just COVID testing that's increasing. It's all of our testing is increasing, increasing as people are starting to become a lot more aware of what's going on in their body. And for example, say the biggest keyword right now is vitamin D because you just keep hearing about study after study about, you know, how it helps your immunity, about how it prevents tooth decay. I mean, it's every other week you're hearing some great new news about vitamin D. So we're seeing an uptick in that. Um, just pretty much everything across the board. And, and people are realizing when they come in here for COVID testing, oh, wow, I mean, I can get my cholesterol check for $49 today, you know, um, you know, or whatever. I mean, there's just so many tests we have and not all of them are expensive. We have so many tests that are $49. It's crazy. Right. And you guys are, I mean, just you're less expensive on most things than, than other places. Plus what I love about you. Every place. Yeah. No, but 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 I, I love that I can come in there and I don't have to spend part of my insurance money because my insurance doesn't carry cover anything. Same I mean, I'm catastrophic. If I you know if I fell out of off the bill, if I fall in front of the train, I might get some help. But the the so I don't have to waste that dollar going to the doctor um, to find out. Oh, Rick, you need to have this done. I can go take care of all that myself. And and I'm quite capable of doing that, especially with the information that's out there. When I had cancer, um, I learned real quick, I can do a lot of this kind of information and finding out things on my own. And um, so I think that's where, like you said, COVID has opened the door too. Plus people are going, I I really, I, I, I want to do my own research. I think we've, we've created a culture of researchers um, where people really do, whether it's diabetes or uh, Valbermyagia, whatever, whatever it is, people want to know what's going on with their body. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and we do have, I don't want to sound anti-medical here because we do have a lot of doctors, surgeons, nurses that come here and they refer patients to us as well. So when you talk about high deductible, we get a lot of doctor referrals. And even if, so if somebody decides to come in here and get blood tests, it can also skip a step where they can take those blood tests, go talk to their doctor and have a more intelligent, automatic conversation rather than going to the doctor to the test going back. So, so I went in um, to my uh, general practitioner because I have a, uh, a hip surgery coming up, right? And so the GP had to sign off on the hip surgery. So I brought in all of your results that, that you printed, uh, that you emailed me, brought them into the doctor and I said, this is where I'm at. And she's like, I can't believe you, you have all this information, right? She <laughs> was thrilled that I brought it to the exam. Right. And, and I knew exactly what, and so we did have an intelligence conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam, Adam, somebody's asking, Jason's asking, do you take insurance? I know that you don't. We um, don't. But you take HSA cards, Jason. And yeah. if you guys don't have an HSA account, you're crazy. I mean, you really, I'm, I'm, I am pro HSA accounts because I'll tell you what, it's a great way to put money away in case you need it someday and it's tax free. Um, and I, that's how I pay for all my stuff like that. I just take it out of my HSA. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately we don't, it's part of, we're part of a franchise and one of the guiding rules is that we cannot take uh, insurance and instead we have discounted labs. So. Okay, so really quick, Adam, I know you're talking with Albert, and we got that, but I want to also, real fast, COVID testing. So because people, 
if they're going on a trip, kind of just go through the gamut really quickly so people know what kind of testing that you guys are doing, because you're really basically doing most of it. Okay, okay. So we're doing the rapid antigen still. And I know that there's um, the government is sending people a lot of rapid antigen tests, and that's wonderful. Now, if the rapid antigen has to be certified, we do that here. And that is $79. We do PCR testing. And we have now we have six PCR machines in house in order to be able to process results within two to four hours. So how many people like on average come in there like to do that? I mean, like, uh, I, I'm, I'm just curious. It's like cocktail conversation. You know, I'm having a, a gin and tonic talking to someone. Do you guys know how many people are getting tested? It, I, it, that's interesting to me. Well, I would say, I mean, it depends because there was a lot of other clinics in town that ran out of tests and we were just bombarded. So. I, I would say, you know, 60 to 100 a day. And which with our staff is we, we never turned anybody away for a test. Some of them had to wait a little bit longer than they wanted to. But we everybody who walked in here and needed a test got a test that day. But, yeah, we were overwhelmed. Things are starting to get a little bit better now that the rapid antigen tests are, are being produced in higher volume and people can get their hands on them. Uh, there's been some supply shortage with the PCR test, but we were, um, when we heard about the outbreak in South Africa, we went ahead and loaded up on a ton of PCR supplies. So, well, I know that the government's now offering them, but it's like, it's like 10 days out or something. It's like, I can come in there. I, I kind of want to know sooner than that. <laughs> well, and that's, that's what we have too. And plus I don't think most people are doing the test when they test themselves or doing it appropriately. Right. Uh, and it depends on the test. Some of them you have to get pretty far back in there in order to get a, a real sample. So, uh, but yeah, so we're doing the rapid antigen, we're doing the PCR and a lot of what we're doing as well is the PCR testing for travel. Okay. So and, now and one thing that's been great is that, I mean, I don't want to toot our own horn, but there's, we've had, travelers come in that have tested somewhere else and have not got their results back in time. And they're in our place at the last minute before they're driving to the Eugene airport to get on a plane to fly out of the country. So we have been able to produce results. We haven't missed a beat on that. And yeah, it's, it's been tough, but it's been fun too and rewarding. And I know you guys are really committed to get like before you had, we're doing the testing yourself there and, and they're, you know, doing the, the work. You were wow. sending it off somewhere and you and Stephanie were up at like midnight waiting for people's numbers to come in because you understand travel. It's like people want to leave. They don't want to be sitting there waiting. And I know there were many sleepless nights for the two of you. Yeah. Like you were just like lab rats, literally. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's rewarding, too, Rick. And I'm going to say this really quick. I know that we're pressed for time. But Stephanie and I went to a lodge this weekend. Uh, it's called the Big K Lodge down in I know it. Yeah, oh yeah, Elton. Oh, you froze. Adam, you guys, wait, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Okay, so you went to Elton to the Big K. You know the Big K? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she knows you. And uh, she watches your show. She's probably watching right now. But <laughs> um, um, Anyway, so we were there, we, we were sitting down for dinner and it was just us and another couple at the whole lodge and cabins. And it's a fantastic place where nobody's ever been to the, somewhere as remote as that. Um, 
But anyway, we're sending notes. She asked us what we do. And Stephanie said, oh, we're with any lab test now. And she's like, oh, my God, I've talked to you. You saved my husband's life. His, turns out he was – it's a long story, but he was he was stuck on the Canadian border. And um, we, were, we were able to help find him another lab that could process his PCR instantly. And she was just grateful for that. But it's just weird how these things work out. Well, you know, one of the really cool play things about that, how I met them is they they do a, they used to do a really cool thing for uh, cancer patients. They bring people who are terminal out there on a fishing trip. They'd stay in those cabins for a weekend. And I ended up doing a story with a guy. And it was kind of cool because we kind of hit it off talking and stuff like that. And I was interviewing him and I said, can I ask you some other questions? And he said, yeah. So I started asking him, what would you say to your wife? The last thing you would say, what was the last thing you'd say to your kid? Start asking him some really personal questions. He gets done and he goes, thank you for doing that. What are you going to do with that? And I said, well, you're going to die, right? And he goes, I got five months. I said, after you pass away, you're going to have your wife call me and I'm going to send her the DVD with this video interview with you and me on it. And you're going to tell her everything you didn't tell her that you just told me. And that why when I sent that DVD to her, she wrote me back and she just said, oh, my God, it was like he was speaking from the past. It was so cool. And it all happened because those people set up at the big K, they set up a place where people get healed in different kind of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really fun. Life is cool. Phenomenal place. Yeah. All interaction. Yeah. Adam, thank you. Any lab tests now, Eugene, what you do. So people that are open from. What's that again? What's your hours, dude? Oh, like Monday through Thursday, nine to six, and then Friday, nine to four. See how I put him on the spot because he's. And then, and if and if there are large groups that need COVID testing for travel, uh, they can call us to see if we can come in on Saturdays. So sometimes yeah. we'll do that too. Saturdays or maybe Sundays, but yeah. And Albert, good luck on your on your hips when you're gonna you're getting hippie. You, I, will, I, I will come out to Montana and go running with you on the trails. <laughs> okay, I'll take you out. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure you're behind me so the grizzly bear goes. Get the one that has get the one that's slow, yes. <laughs> Albert, come on. No, no, you'll be fine. I can run faster than you. <laughs> All right, see you guys later. Okay, take care, bro. Thank you. Thank you. All right, great people. Any lab tests now, uh, take control of your own medical health. And good seeing Albert again as well. Um, so tonight we're going to leave you with a really, really amazing story too. Um, Frank Moore, um, I met him God, back when I had brown hair and, uh, I went to, a went down to shoot a story about a guy who, um, was fly fishing. I uh, used to own the steamboat in new, uh, worked for Tom McCall, uh, father of the Oregon forest practices act. Um, he just had this list of things and he was a fly fisherman and he built his own home out of logs um, by himself. And uh, flash forward now, then this story you're going to see in a second, I took those two stories and put them together. But let me tell you one of the coolest things about that story. While we're out shooting Frank um, do his thing uh, fishing, he comes away from the stream, uh, the Umpqua, and we're walking up and an Oscar Mayer Wienermobile pulls up and the door opens like a spaceship and out come these two, you know, 20 year olds. And Frank reels them in and invites them up for two, or 
cheese sandwiches up at his uh, log cabin. And that became the whole crux of that first story. That's not the one I'm showing you tonight, but that came the crux. You can go on YouTube and look it up. You'll find it. Um, but then, uh, and so Frank and Jeannie had been married for 79 years. Frank would be 99 next week. And last night at 616, um, I had heard that Frank wasn't doing well um, or was in his final hours. And I called his daughter who I'm in contact with all the time and said, would you go tell Frank goodbye for me? Um, and she wrote me back and said, he already passed at 616. And so Frank already knows I said goodbye. And uh, he was a wonderful man. Um, he really knew how to bring people in. He was like a grandfather to me and the world will sorely miss him. And one of the things I thought that was really, really sweet um, that his wife said that um, his daughter wrote to me and he said, she said, yeah, mom's here, mom's fine. Uh, but she already said, um, I want him back. I think we can all relate to that. Um, so I want to, I want to show you a real quick little video that the steamboat in Frank and Jeannie Moore owned the steamboat in used to have guests like Ernest Hemingway, Jane Whitehead, all these different movie stars. And this video they sent of them having a little hymnal song. And so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the family. The Lord is good to me. So that's Frank and Jeannie Moore um, having a little dinner with some friends of theirs. And here's a story um, we produced a few years ago um, with using some of the video from the old story and some with the new. And this is a tribute to Frank and Jeannie Moore. In a canyon where the mighty North Umpqua River flows, there is a pond. Near the pond, a log home. A log home built by Frank and Jeannie Moore. A friend of mine said, okay, you're, you're retiring. Why don't you uh, build a log house? And I, romantic, romantic that I was, I thought, oh, why not? We met the Moores 23 years ago while working at KEZI-TV. How our paths crossed, I do not remember. But the Moors, I will never forget. In those days, we produced a segment about people. Oh, how I love telling their stories. quiet man who measures his life in friendships. And took a chainsaw and ripped every log flat on top. The log home Frank said he'd never finish, he probably never will. At age 92 and Jeannie close behind at 89, Finishing the house is a low priority. I fell in love with a man when I was first date with him. I was 15 years old, and uh, there's just never ever been another man in my life. Jeannie still hangs the clothes out to dry on a line inside or outside, depending on the weather. 
Frank still has a fish pond stocked with trout. We got everything we need, each other. The pair married 70 years ago. I was shy, and he doesn't, he just doesn't live in a shy world. So I, I learned, I, I just exposed to a lot of people and, and learned how to be a little more open. So I'm pretty open now, anyway. We, we, what stress we've had, we were able to ride over the top of it. And well, both of us, not just me, but both of us. And that, a lot of that was because of what we gave and received from each other. Frank lost some hair since the first story we did. Mine lost its color. But here we are, two guys reconnecting as if time had no say and memories of a day still hang in the air. Frank still fishes and teaches others the art of casting and renewing old friendships. Talking about politics, and I knew you did that one time, and I was hoping something would happen. And they're not there for the people. Some, a lot of them start out that way, but they wind up, again, getting into themselves. You know, they become, what, what's in it for me, instead of what can I do for the people? Frank worked for governors and new movie stars and writers. And since our story, Frank's story, appears on Oregon Public Broadcasting and even in a new documentary about he and Jeannie's life called Mending the Line. And all 3,000 people in the uh, auditorium, in the Keller Auditorium in Portland, erupted. A 10 minute standing ovation. <laughs> and yet uh, there were 8 million, I think 8 million people or something like that looking, watching on Twitter or something, I don't know. And it, it, there were so many hits that it knocked it off the air. <laughs> so that was really, really something, I'll tell you. Spending time with Frank, you may not remember everything he says. I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for what I have received. Or how he casts a line. Yeah, I'll leave that. No, that's right. Get up there. Let, let me do it. You just follow me this time. But what you do remember is how he makes you feel. This is just move it. You want that line to straighten out and back before you come forward. Live for other people as well as yourself. Frank and Jeannie Moore connect with people. But things that happen in your life that you think are the end of the world, you just go on. You, you see what new direction you find in it. Jeannie gives me so much. She does. She just gives me so much joy. And, and uh, I don't know, just, she, she, my life is so fulfilled. Love is more than a word to the Moors, it's an action. And they don't preach it, instead, they live it. Yep, and God, you know, life can be good. Life can be good if you let it. So many of us in, in life oh, seem like we, we strive too hard. And uh, when we do sometime, we destroy the very thing that we should be receiving in life. And uh, whether it be in, in marriage or work or anything else, you do the best you can without killing yourself. I will probably never get to tell another story about Frank and Jeannie Moore, even though Frank says he will live to 110. What, what, what would you want to do tomorrow? And I had to use just one, one word, live. Frank understands he's not the author of his life and endings are in the hands of someone mightier than he. 
I like a simple life, I'll put it that way. I like a simple life. But and out of that simple life, one of the greatest gifts is, as I said earlier, is the gift of friendship. Frank is the first guy to tell you his life isn't perfect, but he's lived a perfectly amazing life. I don't know. I don't know why I've been so blessed, but I really have been with a wonderful wife and family, and and I've received so many honors that I, I in my judgment, I haven't re, haven't deserved. He's lived a full life and done it well. The real gift to his story is to the writer who his story gets to tell. So, one other side note that um, the Moors lost their log home and everything in it uh, in the fires in the Iroquois two years ago when we had all the fires in Oregon. Their house was gone. And he got his medals back because his daughter fought for them. And I'm sure that hurt. But the foundation of Frank and Jeannie Moore was not a house. It was God. And it was the love that they had. Frank Moore, I will miss you. And Jeannie, I'm so sorry. But you know what's kind of funny? And I'm not trying to make this about, you know, my life or anything, but when people affect you, when people come into your life, they affect your life. And there's a reason that they come into your life and they impact your life. And I think that Frank Moore was the grandpa I never had. And he was always giving me great words of wisdom. And Frank has now gone on and left Oregon. And now I feel like in a weird sort of way that I can too. And he's showing me the way. What did he say in there? Go live, go live your life. You know, don't get stuck in stuff. Oh, thank you, Frank. And now, I'm looking on here on my comments and I'm going to bring in one other thing in because I can, it's my show and I can do what I want. MJ church, amazing people. What a gift. Well, MJ church, your mother was also a gift to me. That little lady loved me so much. And we met at a coffee shop in Florence, Oregon. And I did a story on her. And Marge and I became the dearest of friends. Um, it's kind of weird. Maybe it's just the mood I'm in. I don't know. Leaving lots of things and people and stuff behind. And I will miss all of you. Um, but you've all been a part of my life. And Marge and Frank. Jay, uh, Donna Jackson, Marcy, and 
so many people. Frank Moore, you were amazing. And what I loved about his, you notice he always gave credit to Jeannie and God. He knew he'd been, he was nothing without her. And he was everything with her. So you have just been able to see an amazing story. And I hope that you will share that with other people and let them know um, of the truly great Oregonians and the people we have in our state. And there are so many more. And we're going to find other people like that in Montana for you to meet and remind you that um, this is a wonderful thing we've been given. And the more we live it, you can exist and you can survive. Not me. Kathy and I are going to choose to do what Frank and Jeannie Moore did. We're going to live and thrive on the adventure. Thank you, Frank Moore, for showing me how to do that. Oh, and I want to throw a name out there just in case anybody. Richard, Richard Gorsuch, you were another person who entered my life and taught me so much. Those are stories for other times. All right, I'm just taking up more time here. Um, you guys got other things to do. Share it on your page. Uh, yeah, Ann Wood, I like this. Choose life. <laughs> Oh, that is so great. Thanks, Aaron. It's nice talking to you too, buddy. Um, MJ, that little woman, your mom. Oh, so, okay. I can't, I got to tell one more funny story. So I did a story with her and her friends of the red coats or the red hats or whatever the hell they were. And they took me down and they didn't realize I had them mic'd up and they're all flirting with me. So these little old ladies are all sitting there having lunch talking about how cute I am and how they're flirting with me. And they had no idea that in the microphone on the tape, I'm hearing the whole thing. <laughs> oh, nasty little girls. <laughs> oh, she loved me too. She loved me so much and I loved her so much too. So many. All right. Have a good night. And thank you all for coming on here and seeing this and, honoring and say a little prayer for Jeannie and her and, uh, and the family because how do you lose something like that you know but a man like that and uh, so anyway all right have a good night